You are listening to Rags to Resale, the podcast for career resellers or anyone who wants to amp up their online resale business the right way. Here are your Posh Pro experts, Megan Morris and Gemma Piscotti. All right, well, Megan, who are you? Who are you? Why should we be listening to Megan Morris right now? What, what's going on? What, what brought you here today? Who am I? Zoolander has that. That whole movie cracks me up. Totally. They're all the same looks. I mean, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Oh, he can't turn left, you know. <laughs> all right. So who I am, I am a mother of four children who way back in the day decided that I had to do something about my shopping addiction that my husband couldn't yell at me about. And remember, eBay had emerged on the scene as this sort of cool auction garage sale site. So what I did was I would go to a store and I would buy things for the kids and I would buy things for myself and I would bring home things and put them on eBay. And it started working. I started making more money than I was spending. So all I was telling him and showing with proof of receipt that the things that I was buying were free. And so he, much to his chagrin, couldn't complain about it anymore. So really, it was just a circumvention of an annoyance so that I could continue to shop as much as I saw fit. And then over the years, by osmosis, I learned what sells and what doesn't. So what did you do? What did you do before you were reselling or, you know, as your full time job? So I started out as a writer, producer in news, television news, local TV news. So, um, you know, I started interning at a news station in Pennsylvania, and then I got a job here in Chicago, little 22nd elements of news that then would go to an executive producer and that executive producer would decide whether or not it could go on the air. And I would, you know, some editor somewhere would add video to it. Then as news progressed uh, with the times, I was also editing the videos. So I learned to edit because they had, you know, fired all the editors. And so then you're editing and writing the news and, um, and as fun some in some areas um, that news can be, news is also quite miserable. You know, I would walk into a day's work, an eight hour to 10 hour day, and they would say, hey, Megan, you're on dead baby. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> and that would be my whole day. We'd be putting together a story about a dead baby or a kidnapped <laughs> child or a murder or something. And I hated it. You know, and I, my whole career, my whole college career in writing and everything had built up to this point where I thought I was going to be Connie Chung dating myself, I realized, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to talk about death and destruction for the rest of my life. So, um, so I moved out to marketing, as you well know, because then you hired me um, for a Groupon type company. When the Groupon was all the rage, we started Where You Shop. And you were my boss. Uh And, um, you know, the rest is history. I've been in 16 different marketing jobs. I can market anything. And I've then you talked me into marketing myself. And I like that very much. Thank you. I talked you into it. 
You did. You said, what do you want to do? I said, we help you make make it happen. That's what happened. And I said, that sounds great. And now you're doing it. Okay. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. We're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So I, I have huge expectations based on all of the other companies you made millions for. So, you know. Right. Oh, good. So you have high expectations. Perfect. I have high expectations of you. The pressure. Not of me. I, I, you know, I just shop. You just do you. I just do me, baby. Yeah, you You're can the one that has to do all shopping. The and- I'm shopping. I ran on video. I mean, I got the easy job. Right. You have to see how many it's all monetized, which I mean, is sucks not for you. <laughs> So now you're supposed uh, to monetize me being a bleh, 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 shopping. Right. And every once in a while I go, squirrel. And I run that direction. Every once in a while? Yeah. <laughs> every once an hour. Yeah, I like <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> you see a hungry? <laughs> well, with those four children and two dogs and a husband at home, I, you know, it's pretty easy to see a squirrel. And a squatch of ADD. Yeah. So just to introduce myself, um, so Megan and I came together to do this Posh Pro project, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit further. But before I did this, I have been involved in a couple of industries where I was hired to be the director of operations and marketing. And I basically took uh, startup companies and grew them to be multi-million dollar companies. And um, I did that in the online media sector and I've done that in the healthcare sector. And I just kind of decided that I didn't want to do this for other people anymore. I wanted to do this for myself and my best friend, Megan. So uh, it kind of just made sense to come together. Yeah. You know what? None of those people are very thankful. They, they just, became millionaires and they were like, what do you want? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, you know, it came to a point where I saw an opportunity in Megan and I said, you know what? I would rather sweat and tear for my best friends and ourselves than anybody else. And, but I, I personally do not have a lot of experience with, uh, reselling clothes. Um, I'm more of the business back end of this venture, but I am learning. And I have started a closet. And so um, I'm kind of a newbie myself. Therefore, I'm kind of the perfect person to kind of come up with questions for Megan to help everybody else figure this, this wonderful work from home opportunity for women and men too. Um, but anyways, that's, that's who we are, right? That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who, who I, that's who you are. I think that's that's right. good enough. They'll get to know us a little bit more as we do these podcasts, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, here's one of Megan's 15 million children. I don't. It's Maddie. I'm not. And Maddie is another wonderful woman who we have managing our social media. Yes. Hello. She's doing an awesome job at it as well. You just knocked the chair on the way. Isn't she cute? Oh, look how cute she is. Oh, mom. Oh. This is what Megan does during the workday. I was about to. I just <laughs> got up. So thank you. You just got up? No, no. I just, what but, oh. <laughs> yeah, I just made a post on Instagram. Everyone go check it out. What oh, is- nice. On Posh Pro Project. 
Yeah. At Posh Pro Project on Instagram talks about reseller business strategies. Are oh, look at that. Yes. I think those, you know, that style's coming back. All the 90s, right? It's coming yeah. back. She just coming needs back. neon. This is this is too drab. This I could stand it up. That helps. That that's how I wore it. Oh, I love it. It's perfect. Just kind of I want this. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. okay. All right, you get out of here. So some of these people aren't going to be seeing the video. They're just going to be hearing what we're saying. So we need to be mindful of that. We're podcast newbies. So we're just learning ourselves as we're doing this. Okay. So we've introduced ourselves. Uh, even though we are the Poshmore Project, this podcast is called Rags to Resale. I love it. Super excited. So I have a bunch of questions to ask you, Megan. Are you ready to answer some questions? I'm always about resale. I'm a mom so we, of four children. I live to answer. So we can help these people out. Okay. First question. Why did you switch from eBay to Poshmark? And what do you still sell on eBay? eBay. Like I said, I started on eBay. I'm an eBay baby, but their fees are astronomical and they're very hard to figure out. They have them laid out in such a way that you have to dig to figure out what they're charging you. They've got insertion fees. They've got, which sounds terrible. They've got, you know, final value fees. They've got additional picture fees. There's all kinds of fees. I also had started a shop on there. And it, when I first signed up on the shop, it was $9.99. And by the time I looked at it, you know, seven years later, it was $32. They were charging me just for the benefit of having a store. So um, I wasn't seeing the value. And what it felt like to me was that I was making money. And then three to four weeks later, I was paying that exact same amount of money out. Now, obviously I was making some money, but when I really laid it out, they were taking uh, upwards of 42% of my profit. Wow. That's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, and some of it could have been, you know, broken down and, and changed and made better. But the truth of the matter is they are greedy, in my opinion, and take too much. I think 20% off the top, like at Poshmark, is already a lot. And there sh- it shouldn't be double that. So right. I, I migrated and it was hard. I had a huge following. I had tons of great feedback. I'm you know, still verified on there. And I do still put things on there that I know are very specialized items, usually uh, a very rare toy or a very rare household item uh, that might tend to sit on Poshmark or Poshmark uh, people lowball you for, whereas on eBay, you have the auction element. So it you started at a price and it goes up. And when right. I'm not a hundred percent sure how high that thing will go, I'd rather watch it go up on an auction. Okay. So, so um, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to go close the door because I can hear my laundry going. Okay. Um, that's a lot of fun. But uh, so you're saying then that eBay is probably better for products instead of clothing mm-hmm. and Poshmark is better for clothing than products. Although I, I believe Poshmark just kind of got into selling products uh, more, but, uh, but is that what I'm hearing? Is that eBay is yeah, good for products? I'm, anything that you're just starting out at, you're going to have um, trouble 
at the beginning. They, they've just started their electronics market. And um, I wouldn't put much ele- stock in their ability to turn my electronics. I uh, Case in point, we have a pile of electronics, computers, uh, phones, and things that my husband tasked Maddie that just was here with, with, you know, cleansing them and getting them all to restart so that we can put them on things. And one of the, when they, this all was happening right as electronics was hitting Poshmark. So I put a couple of those phones up on Poshmark and they have just sat there. I've gotten a few lowball offers. And so I just migrated them to eBay and they're gone. They've sold already. Okay. So eBay is still good for products. They just take a higher percentage. Yeah. I mean, that's why you don't see the majority of your selling there. I I just think people look for certain things in certain places, you know, vintage is pro I have a huge vintage area of my closet on Poshmark and I could probably do a little better with those on Etsy, but I I just, there's too many, it it becomes too many things. I'm not going to, I don't want to pay all the fees on Etsy, keep up with an Etsy closet. I, I did migrate a few things to Etsy a few years ago, and I, I legit forgot that they were there. Like, you can only do so much, you know, and and I had sold a couple things and I disappointed a customer because I, I just, I had kind of forgotten I had put it over there and I had already sold it on eBay and it, it just becomes too much. So I don't recommend uh, a huge swath of cross-promoting and cross-posting things. I think that, that it's okay and good to have, give yourself a little competition. You know, I do use Facebook marketplace for some things. I use a little bit of eBay. I dabble in that, but you have to have a mainstay, a place where you feel comfortable that you're, you know, you're mostly doing your work there because, and I found this in the past. And I think that people can identify with the fact that if you have too many jobs, too many places, you're, you're, concentrating on, you kind of half-ass everything, right? You're just uh-huh, not, uh-huh. I mean, moms do this. I, I felt like that most of the time I've been in corporate America, I was sort of half there and my mind was also half at home, you know, and that's just one of those things. And I think it happens when you have too many platforms you're, you're operating on as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I've even done that in, in corporate America where it's like my boss was trying to have me do too many things. And then you just can't, make this one thing great because you're trying to make everything else. Okay. Basically. But cool. I was going to ask you, do you sell anywhere else? So, um, cover that you kind of do, but you don't folk, you you focus on Poshmark. Well, I always give Poshmark a first glance try, you know, and if it's not working on Poshmark and I know this thing is rare or can sell, uh, I have a few houseware products on there right now. I have a pottery barn teen shelf that should I can see that it would have probably turned on eBay sooner. And I've just left it there because people have shown some interest in it. Um, But I should probably get it over on eBay. It's just, it's one of those things. Like you also have to remember what you're paying for these things. Like I paid four bucks for it. So it's not the end of the world that I'm not getting my 125 out of it, even though I know it's worth $125, you know? So eventually when I, I take a day of eBay and put a bunch of things on there to, to get rid of them. Or sometimes I'll do a Facebook marketplace jaunt where I, I throw 20 things on Facebook marketplace that I just don't feel really like boxing up and shipping, you know, that people can pick up. Um, I'll do that. But 
those are rare weekend events where I might think I have a little extra time and try that where most of what my mainstay is going to always be posh at this point. Right. Okay. Okay. So, um, the rest of my, wait, I'm sorry. I was going to say the rest of my questions are Poshmark related only, but not yet. I have one more question. So, uh, this is, this is coming from the other side of resale. How do you get people to get over the stigma of buying resale? Like for example, I have a wedding to go to in a few weeks, let's say, and I need a dress. And I would love to go to Poshmark to buy this dress, but I can't try it on. Mm-hmm. So when I think a lot of people have that idea about resale. So how do you convince people to, to, to come to the resale side? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's tough. I think that trying something on and wanting to try something on is a legitimate concern. Uh, I think other people just think, it's yucky or it's not new or someone else wore it. And that stigma I think is, is easier and less legitimate of a concern, you know, than what you're talking about. What you're talking about, I have elements of clothing that I'm not going to buy online either. I want to try on a pair of jeans. Now I buy them at Goodwill or thrift shop because I love buying jeans at thrift shops. You can try every brand in the world and find the one that you really love. But, um, but yeah, wedding clothes are very difficult. And I, because of that, I don't buy tons of prom and wedding apparel, um, and dresses in general, unless they're like a sundress or something easy because they don't sell because of exactly what you're talking about. People want to touch and feel them and try them on. Now, uh, Poshmark returns are quite easy and I am very liberal with my returns. I am also very particular about the measurements I put in a listing. And I think that, uh, you know, when a buyer comes back to you and says, can you show me a picture or can you prove to me that this is really this waste or can you give me a hip measurement that you might not naturally have in a listing? You should add them because the more comfort you provide your customer and, and that involves measurements and communication. So if you're, if you've got the pit to pit and the waist and the hips and the length and the back shoulder measurements on a dress, and I know, you know, if it's a really high end dress, I'm going to take some time with those measurements so that someone can say, I'm pretty confident this is going to fit me, you know? Um, and then uh, communication on the back end. If someone's saying, I, I'm just concerned, you know, does this have stretch in it? Did, you know, when you say 2% elastane, is it how stretchy is that? You know, and you give them some confidence in the fact that this is a stretchy fit. It's, it's you know, got a ruched look on the front. So your belly's going to be hidden. You know, that's all a conversation with your customer. So, you know, that's how you sell someone. And then also say, you know, if it doesn't fit, you send it right back to me. No worries. Mm-hmm. And uh, give them that confidence that they're not stuck with the, something that they might not like on. Okay. So then that other side that you were saying, that stigma of, ew, it's used. Um, how do you get over that? Well, I don't worry about that too much. Um, I think that our industry is evolving pretty rapidly. And that comes from... Um, necessity. <laughs> People that had money don't have money and they need to find a different way to get the things that they want. And uh, for me, the fact that they don't like to go to Goodwill 
is a bonus uh-huh. because they can look at my website and they can quietly without anyone seeing them buy their favorite Victoria's Secrets bra and no one's the wiser that they got it on Poshmark and everyone can think that they've got that beautiful push-up bra where everybody else got it at Victoria's Secrets and they can pretend they spent $60 on it. So so for us on Poshmark, um, that stigma is... Um, we're sort of in the middle. We're in the middle of the stigma where we we are helping them along. We're pushing them towards understanding with um, with nice clean items, a website that acts like Amazon and you know behaves properly. We give them good customer care, just like you know Macy's.com or anything else that they shop on, and they get used to it and then they love it. Because mm-hmm. the prices are better and the products are just as nice and they're happy. And I think you're right. Like, I think we're starting to come into a, an era of, um, you know, thrifting is cool sort of thing. I, you know, I think you mentioned that Drew Barrymore, she she always buys uh, used clothes or thrifts her clothes. And I was just reading an article the other day just because I get bored. And um, I was reading an article about Miley Cyrus and her new boyfriend and he's a designer and she said that sustainability and reusability is becoming really important in fashion. I was like, holy cow, you know, it's like, it's, it's becoming more cool to reuse, I think. Yeah. And it, you know, when there people are looking for 90 styles, you know, you can go to Shein or, you know, Fashion Nova and, spend about the same amount on a pair of jeans that they simulate a 90s style with a high waist and bell bottoms and all that stuff. But who are the cool kids? The ones that have the orange tab Levi's, the real, the real thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. those things you can get for the same price at Goodwill. So Mm -hmm. you see when you go into a Goodwill, you know, it's me and the the resellers and the kids, right? They're there having a blast, trying things on and, you know, they have limited funds and they're enjoying shopping, you know, and, and I should say, and the moms, the moms are there too, because they have a budget. So, you know, we are this special club that already gets it right. We know that the really good quality items are, you know, the things that are at goodwill, the things that have been made well and properly and have lasted enough that someone used it to its the its usefulness for them and have put it at goodwill and and I'm sitting there looking at it and it's perfect and beautiful and still good that's not because i mean part of it is because that person took care of it but the other part of it is because Levi's made it well right in 1964 right the quality is better mhm and you know there are still companies that care about the quality of the items. And those people are still making good quality items, I hope. And those things 15, 20 years from now will be at goodwill and we'll save them again. In the meantime, the fashion industry is over here making hundreds of thousands and thousands of pieces of clothing that nobody needs. You know, nobody churns. They're, they're making this wear and toss product that nobody's tossing. Uh-huh. So they're tossing it when it rips two months from now, but they're not tossing it out at the rate that they're creating new stuff. And we're causing damage 
real damage to our world. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody knows that oil's bad, but fas- the fashion industry's t- number two. They're r- ruining the water, they're ruining the air, and they don't care because they're doing it in China and Korea and Japan. They're making mm-hmm. stuff over there. They're using child labor. I mean, there's some real problems in the fashion industry. It's a dirty little secret. And, you know, we should shine a light on it. Right. Okay. So we'll, we'll have another podcast about fast fashion. Okay. But uh, I'm going to turn now to um, Poshmark specific questions. I just have a list of five questions here that I thought we could go over today about Poshmark. Um, it's important to share on Poshmark. Poshmark is an engagement uh, platform. Mm-hmm. So is there a limit to sharing per day? There is a, there's no limit to sharing. There's a limit to, to following. That was going to be my next question. So maybe you can answer both in the same, like what is follow jail? So, yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't know, is there, am I only supposed to share so many? Am I going to get in trouble for sharing too many? No. Uh, how many should I share to, you know, stay relevant? And then I guess we can get into follow jail as well. Cause I don't even know what that is. I heard somebody say it in a posh and coffee you had one time and I don't even know what it is and why. Okay. So to start with sharing, you can share all day long. You can share. They're happy if you're sharing for other people, you're doing people favors, you share yourself. None of that is ever going to get you in any kind of trouble. Um, you, I was, someone commented on one of our YouTube videos the other day and said they were sharing nine times a day, uh, their whole closet. Now I, I didn't see how big their closet was, but, um, that's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's not too much for, for Poshmark. I mean, that's great, but she was still having issues with sales. So then, you know, you need to look at what you're doing and what the result is. And if the result isn't what you want, you don't need, you shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. So um, there is no reason to spend that much time sharing your closet. Um, you know, there's a, there's an overkill point. There's a tipping point, you know, at which it's not, it's not benefiting you. As you can see, it's not benefiting you. You're not making a sale. So it's, it's almost like you're forcing something to happen that's not going to happen. So you, you know, you can get away with at minimum. And I would recommend to anyone that is, you know, has a full-time job and this is their side hustle or they have kids, you, you know, we're not here to say you have to do all these things or you're going to fail and you have to do them at the maximum you can possibly do them or you're going to fail. There is there, the reason why I do what I do and why I'm here is because it gives me the ability to have a life. Right. You know, my, my corporate job was the thing that was sucking the life out of me and not allowing me to see my kids. So don't do it to yourself. You know, don't, don't share. And then I said, try this. And I gave her, you know, a step-by-step thing to do and I was thinking, you, you know, you can do that. I, I mean, I know you can do that in about a 30 minute period, what I told her. And she came back and said, that's an awful lot to do to get, make a sale. And I just had to laugh because this is the same person that just told me she's sharing her closet nine times a day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing that it looked like a long list, but you had accomplished that very quickly 
you know, you share, you follow a few people, you, you know, share your own closet. I think a lot of, um, a lot of people get bogged down on Poshmark because there's so many things coming at you. There's parties, there's share groups, there's, uh, you know, people are asking you to host things. There's, you know, people asking you to follow. So you're following, there's, you know, there's these parties where you get the, share this, grab the blues, you know, get your followers and amp up your followers. And yes, those things all work. You can get more followers if you're in a bunch of follow groups that follow people all day long. But I'm here to tell you because I did all of those things because I wanted this to work so badly. And I was miserable. Like I was, you know, there was some woman somewhere in Nantucket yelling at me because I had missed my share group, you know, requirements. And I had too many share groups and I was, I was sharing and I was following and I, I, you know, that's not what I was there for. I was there to sell clothes and, you know, and make money and have a life. And if you can't have those three things, if you're not making any money and you're not able to do the things you want to do, like have a life and shop and do all those things, if you're, if, if your core reasons for being there aren't being fulfilled, you have to step back and try something new. What does it mean to tag someone and why would I want to do that? Okay. So at the very basic level, if someone asks you, do you have a pair of Levi's orange tab jeans? I like these Levi's, but I wish they were orange tab jeans. You can say, yes, I do. Hold on. I'll tag you in it. And you can go into the comments in your orange tab Levi's listing and say, at Gemma Amber, here they are. Okay. And they get a notice in their newsfeed that says at Posh Pro underscore Megan says, here they are. And then you click on that and you're in that listing. So that's a very basic use of a tag. So you, you generally do it in a comment of a post. You always send a comment on a post. Yep. Okay. What other reason would I use that for? Um, Well, I tag people constantly to get, to promote myself, to get people to see something that I'm doing versus like uh, the shop and share the shop and start. Okay. or yeah. uh, I'm having a sale and I, I, I have a tag list at my, in my closet where people go in and say, yes, add me to your tag list. It says tag me please question mark. And then you put your closet's name in there and I generate a list of people that are interested in being tagged by me about events or things that are happening. So I have a very long tag list. I have people come to me and say, please tag this. I'm having a, a, a shop and share or something. And I provide them with my tag list. Now people often will come to me and say, please take me off your tag list. Uh I'm getting tagged too much. And Uh you just take them off the tag list. And, uh, and it's, it's just a sort of a circumvented way that poshers have figured out how to communicate with each other. Okay. Oh, wait, we have to go back. What's follow jail? Oh, so follow jail happens mostly to newbies who are trying as fast as they can to amp their closet, get new followers, and, you know, you follow people, so they follow you back. So you can follow 10,000 people a day. So if you go past that, you are told you can no longer follow anybody. Wow. Like how in the world does somebody follow 10,000 people in a day? It's a lot. (laughs) Hours and hours and, and on wow. yeah, 
I've okay. never, I've never been in follow jail. I've never followed enough people to get to follow jail. Um, but once you're in there, how long are you in jail? I believe it's just a day. I, I, okay. um, I think there are other, other types of jail you can get into, um, for doing inappropriate things or having inappropriate listings or sure. other sure. reasons to be in, in jail. But, um, yeah, follow jail is just, it's just, you are, they, they're really, what they're doing is they're assuming you're a bot. They're assuming that you yourself have hired someone to do your work for you. And that goes against everything that works about Poshmark in their estimation, because if there's not human beings, on, if, if a bunch of robots are on there interacting with each other, then we don't have bodies on their shopping. So right. It, there's not eyeballs on the product and they're there. I'm not having to sit and go through a closet and look at things. They want me sharing another person's closet because I might buy one of those things. Right. Okay. Um, why do I see these marketing posts on people's closets with really high dollar amounts on it? Like what is the purpose of putting a high dollar amount on a, a marketing post? I do that too. So um, I always do uh, $9,999. And then the second, the, that's the, what it would sell for, what the real price. And then I make it 8888. And then every single time I change that listing or retag it or need somebody to need the group of people that I've tagged it, like the shop and share group, I have to give them updates about things. I lower the listing price. So oh. all people that have liked it, get a notification, Megan lowered the price. Well, it's a marketing promo. So they know something's happening that they need to read. So you put it really high so that when you need to reshare, change it or edit it or reshare right. it, anything with it, it's you go, you search your closet high to low. Right. And that marketing thing is right at the top of your closet. You can find it easily, you can share it easily. You can do all kinds of stuff with it fast, find it fast. And then you drop the price and you put it really high so that you can drop that price for three months and you don't run out of price. Got it. I've got Hi, Eric. Eric in the background. Hey, I scavenging for food. Found and determined to be in this podcast. Okay. Um, I have one more question and then maybe we will um, close this session up. Okay. How do I use keywords on my posts? And like, how do I find those keywords to use? Okay. So keywords is something that helps people find your, your listing, right? So um, you need, you need to be logical. You need to think about each product in terms of what is the... Th so they give you three keywords. Now you can also add other keywords into your description with a hashtag. So you don't, you're not bound to the three keywords in that keyword space that you have on the listing page. But in order to pick those things, you've got to look at your product and decide what are those three things that people are most looking, what are the things they're looking for? So for say, let's go back to, since we keep talking about these orange tab jeans. So let's just go back to the orange tab jeans. So assuming that they're looking for vintage Levi's, that's two of your words. Uh, orange tab might be that word, that third word. It might be high-waisted might be that third word. So you want to get a combination of those keywords together that is going to bring the most people off of Google. 
And that's in the title or the description? I mean, you can put it in both, but uh, it could be in the keywording. So that's just a hashtag keyword. So it's just sort of like, um, it's sort of like something you'd see on Twitter. If you see a hashtag there that is Uh um, hashtag Brad Pitt, you know, and you see that Brad Pitt's trending, you're going to assume something's happening with Brad Pitt today because they're at the top of the feed, right? So you're, you're going to go check that out. Corporations do this when they're trying to be market marketing savvy. They'll do a hashtag, you know, hashtag McDonald's 50% day or whatever. And then they're going to use that data from the hashtag to see how many people engaged with that hashtag, all that stuff. So it's really the same exact thing, but it's for your little baby listing for your orange chap jeans. You know, it's, it's your, your, the goal and it often works because Poshmark, we're not talking this month, April, because we know that there's issues with, with the algorithm, but most of the time Poshmark is paying to be and and has paid in the past. So they are naturally at the top of Google. So your item is getting the benefit of being on that platform. And so you should use the keywording to get, so now there's 50 orange tab jeans, Levi's jeans on Poshmark. If the better your keywording is and the more descriptive you are and the and the more laser focused you are on what people that are looking for your genes are searching for, you're going to get higher and higher up to Google, uh, the top of Google, and then it's going to help you sell those genes. Yeah. And that, that, that does tie into our algorithm situation that's happening. Poshmark, right. Yeah. We have a video about that on YouTube. Yeah. I, I talked about it. Um, it seems to be improving. I don't know if they're backtracking. Um, my, my, well, let's just say really quickly what's going on. So Poshmark went public last year. They're having some issues keeping that the price up on their on their public offering. Um, and so they're looking at how to optimize that. And and part of that is going to cause some suffering for the seller there because, you know, they need to bring new people in. So they have to be cognizant of marketing to new people. And then that's not marketing that we have great stuff on Poshmark, right? So they've got marketing dollars that they're allocating for certain things. So they've shifted to to trying to attract human bodies onto Poshmark to sell sell things versus, Mm -hmm. hey, we've got Manolo Blahniks for cheaper than everywhere else. So that has hurt sellers. You're not seeing sellers listings at the top of Google as much as other Mark Mercari and other things because Poshmark has shifted their focus um, because they want to sh- show value. And in order to do that, newbies, uh, new people and large amounts of people flocking to Poshmark shows data value. They can they can mine and, and sell that data of all those new people. Yeah. And they've already mined you and me, darling. So we are <laughs> we are less valuable right now. So that's that's what the problem is. I, I think that because sellers are, you know, we are all bringing in the money too. So they have to find a balance. And I think the way they're finding that balance is kind of what happened in March. And it seems to be happening again in April where they they're shifting. So they go on and off. So they might be doing, you know, two weeks on with newbies and two weeks off with sellers and back and forth. Right. So, um, cause I'm starting to, I'm, I'm starting to see uh, a shift back 
Uh, I've gotten a lot of likes this week. I've sold a few things. Um, and panicky as it does feel because it feels like it's going to go away. If they keep doing it this way, I don't mind so much because it's, it ebbs and flows. So you, you can just work your month around it. You know, if, if mm-hmm. I'm going to flush of sales on the second week, I know that I should be listing all the first week. So I wish that the, what I wish is that they would communicate that with us. Right. And be more uh, transparent. And that's right. So you can plan better. They're right. not, they're not doing that. And if they just said to us, listen, we need newbies and we need, we, you know, we need both and this is how it's going to work. Um, I think that the panic would, would quell quite a bit, but instead it just happens now mm-hmm. the second month that this has just happened to people and it's not fair. We're, we're all grown ups, and we all, this is our business. Right. Well, great. Uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, I think this is a good first conversation for us to have on our rags to resale podcast. Yes. And I, I think we're going to have some, uh, some visitors coming over the next few months too. We've, uh, got a line on a few exciting people that we'll be bringing in and, uh, and, uh, some funny people too. I I've got, uh, well, you're funny. I, I know. Funnier than you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I would say a few of them are funnier than me. <sighs> okay. All right. Well, good. And then it'll be a fun laughing hour of our time. That'd be great. Definitely will be. Well, I just love you, girl, and I wish you were here today, but um, I like looking at your pretty face. I'll be back in the neighborhood. I'll be back in the neighborhood around Wednesday. You're coming to the hood? I'm to the hood. Awesome. I love to it. To get my daughter. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't steal your daughter. She's <laughs> All right. So let's close it out for today. Okay. And we'll see everybody next time, right? Right. Bye. Love you guys. Talk soon.